Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 94, What Makes a Good Student, coming up on this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome, fellow aviators. I'm here with some of my favorite aviation friends, and that's going to be uh, a couple people, uh, including yourself, you that's listening. We love hearing back from you, and this episode is actually due to some feedback that you sent us. But today I'm joined by Sean Moody, who hasn't been on the podcast for a while because of some uh, work issues. Sean, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Yeah, glad to be here. My schedule's been kind of nuts lately, but uh, when I saw the email that you guys were looking to do this this evening and my schedule lined up, I was I was pretty pumped about it. Glad to be back. Yeah, this is awesome. Sean's been really, really busy at work, and uh, we're glad to have you. And he's uh, been doing a little bit of aviating, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And also joining us this evening is uh, Victoria Zyko. Victoria, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me, I guess. Yeah, again. And, uh, <laughs> again. again. And she <laughs> you keep asking back. me back. That's I know. It, it's awesome. <laughs> and we, we love Victoria. We also like uh, our other friend here, Eric Crump. Eric, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. And Eric, of course, is in, in sunny Florida, not Bucolic, New Jersey. I'm, a, I'm in Bucolic, Central Florida. <laughs> Bucolic, it Central is Florida. very beautiful, and that's what Bucolic <laughs> means, if you didn't know that. And if you're confused, just listen to episode 93, and you can uh, you can get a nice vocabulary lesson just like I did. Uh, Eric, that was so much fun. We got so <laughs> that much was feedback a lot from fun. listeners. Thanks for sending your feedback about Bucolic, New Jersey. Thank uh, you for harassing me on Twitter, <laughs> all of you. I really appreciate that. I think one of our listeners wrote back and said they should call it bubonic. New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> he says he not bum colic though not bum colic no not bum colic no. <laughs> Well, uh, actually, not joining us right away is Rick Felty. He's going to be coming online in a little bit here to, to speak with us about this very important topic. Let's do the pre-flight. It is exciting. Uh, we do have a couple announcements. And it, right around the corner, uh, which is on April 21st to the 26th, is what Carl lives for. And it's uh, Sun and Fun. And we will be at Sun and Fun, uh, Stuck Mike Avcast. I will be the uh, only one that... Uh, that will be there from the current crew we're talking to right now. That's not fair. I'm going to be there. And that's, you're going to be, oh, I'm sorry. Eric Crumple's going to be there. My gosh, it's right. Eric's going to be there doing it. Of course I'm going to be there. How did I forget you? (laughs) (laughs) You want to forget me. You want to pretend I'm not going to be there, but I will. Are you you also going to be helping us with the live show? Of course I am. Awesome. Awesome. Absolutely. We're going to hang out on the deck like we usually do and have a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Yes. But I will be there all week taking in the festivities and managing the 28 (laughs) students that I will have over there. Oh, my gosh. 
in different capacities. What a what a challenge! But yeah, this is this is going to be so much fun. We are going to do a live show. We're going to have lots of interviews. Uh, it's going to be our next episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast is going to be the live show, and uh, and you know it's it's actually an, an organization that's been growing. It's also a show that's been growing. And uh, just go out to sun n fun.org and check out what's going to be happening. We're going to have uh, the Thunderbirds this year, and for the first time in U.S. history, the Breitling flight team is going to be the, the jet team. So I'm very excited about that. Um, also joining us is actually uh, Rick Felty. Rick, welcome. He hey, everybody. Talked. Sorry <laughs> hey. I'm late. Well, no, no worries, no worries. We were just going over uh, some announcements. We were talking about Sun and Fun, uh, and uh, that Eric's awesome. going to join us there. I know you're not going to make cool. it there. But, yeah, uh, do we have? Do, do we know uh, a timing on that yet? For uh, Not for the case... actual show. Okay, cool. You'll let uh, us know, because I, I guess there's a chance we're going to try to do a live We're going to try to do it with remote. everybody, and that's what I'm trying to coordinate with. Uh, cool. And, and we're, we're going to let everybody know. We'll tweet it out. We'll put it on our Facebook page and uh, send it in a newsletter as to what day you can listen live. And that's on liveatc.net slash SNF if you want to listen to the actual live show. As a matter of fact, um, I think everybody should go to that and listen to it because that's playing Sun and Fun from last year, uh, round and round. But uh, Awesome. But anyway, that's, so that's our announcement. My announcement is uh, Sun and Fun is uh, actually coming up here and uh, very, very shortly. How are you doing, Rick, by the way, before we, we move on to other announcements? Doing great. Doing yeah. Just, yeah, doing great. Doing Just a, had a little... Little family thing to tend to, all fine. But uh, sorry, I'm late. But I'm glad to be here. Glad, glad to have you. But uh, also, um, there is something. Oh, another announcement. Gosh, I totally forgot about this. Eric Crump, who's been with us for how long now, Eric? It's been quite some time. I finally got around to putting you. Not only did I forget that you were going to Sun and Fun, Eric. You know, I really like you. I really do. And this is like uh, yeah, the bash, Eric. I can episode. tell. This is fun. It's like you didn't get enough of this last episode. No, come on. <laughs> Here I go. Uh, I have actually the Meet Your Host page. Uh, uh, put a little, or Eric actually wrote a bio up, and it's out there. And if you ever want to know something about Eric, just go out there and check that out. He's got some some cool information and has his uh, Twitter uh, handle right there, so you can send him some information or ask him a question or get some feedback directly. But uh, Eric's had a real interesting and, and wonderful life, and uh, as far as aviation's concerned, and you know, I admire him, but I, I, I'm also a little bit jealous. I'd love to be doing what he's doing every day. He gets to inspire people and and young folks in the collegiate world. So that's a wonderful thing. So check that out. Uh, let's see other announcements. We have, I think it's Sean. Sean Moody has an announcement, or two, actually, don't you? Yeah, uh, a couple of them. First of all, uh, being on an aviation podcast, you'd think I'd you know be flying all the time, but I actually haven't been PIC in a couple of years now. Uh, so last month, I actually uh, got my act together, went out and got checked out in a uh, DA-20 locally, so I am officially uh, current again. That was uh, great to get back uh, back in the air. and I'd never flown a diamond before. That airplane is fun. It's, uh, it's a stick, which I've never flown before. I've always flown something with a yoke. And uh, Have you guys ever flown a DA-20? Any of you guys? No, I have not. I love it's a 20. lot of fun. It's yeah, so you've flown much air? fun. It's sporty, yeah. and it's got that spring-loaded stick, so yeah, it's really yeah. fun to land. It's, it, it's a small airplane, but it feels, mm-hmm. um, it, well, it feels really sporty. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm I'm six two and about two hundred and ten pounds, so I kind of strap the airplane on. But right. um, I mean, man, that thing, like you said, sporty is probably the best word for it. It's really comfortable. Uh, it kind of sits back a little bit. I'm six three, 
and I fit yeah. in there really comfortably. Of course, the canopy with the visibility is Oh, amazing. man, that view. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, so I'm going to have to it, – it's been, uh, oh, I'd say a month, month and a half now since my checkout. So uh, I'm starting to, starting to get the itch again, so I'm going to have to head back out to the airport. So that that's announcement number one. Um, second one is that uh, everyone's favorite B-29, Fifi, has uh, put their schedule online and um, looks like they're going to be flying from May – all the way up through September, all over the country. Um, locally, they are going to be here in Lexington, Kentucky. So if we have any stuck mic listeners uh, here locally in the central Kentucky area, you can see Fifi from July 8th through the 12th uh, over at the Aviation Can- uh, Museum of Kentucky. And then if you go to the Commemorative Air Force website, you can see the whole list of where it'll be all across the country um, all summer long. It's like everything from Virginia to Kentucky, Illinois, Oshkosh, of course, Missouri, Ohio, Kansas. So if you're anywhere pretty much on this half of the country, you're going to get a good chance to go out and see it, and I absolutely recommend it. I've never been up in it, but I've seen it go overhead, and that's just a beautiful sight and a beautiful sound. Awesome. And, you, and we'll have a link to that, right? You have a link? Yeah, absolutely. I'll get that to you. Awesome. Terrific. And uh, again, that'll be on the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode 94. Uh, one neat thing about Fifi that I thought was awesome is uh, there was a young lady, Dora. Uh, actually, no, I'm joking. She's, Dora was a wasp, and she uh, was able to, years later, at Sun and Fun, fly Fifi. She flew Fifi in, or excuse, uh, B-29, excuse me, in World War II. And was able to fly it again uh, at Sun and Fun. Unfortunately, she's passed in the past year or so. Mm. But I thought that was pretty amazing that she actually got to go up and fly it. There was only a couple people, a uh, couple, excuse me, uh, uh, women that were rated in that B-29. And a public, cool. couple of people that flew it. So, uh, and we might have awesome another machine. B-29 flying with Doc. Have you guys Doc. been watching that? Yeah, man. I'm yeah. curious to see where that ends up. Yes, that will be interesting. But uh, uh, just hey, the more the merrier. I love these these pieces of history that are 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 making their way airborne. So I think that's that's totally awesome. Well, thanks for that. Uh, is there any other? I think that was it for our, our announcements today. Now entering cruise flight. As a matter of fact, we have uh, it, it's actually a listener mail. There's a couple listener mail that have come in. It's about the same topic. Remember back in episode 92, we had a discussion if you should fire your flight instructor. Uh, well, you know, since that discussion, we've we've received quite a bit of feedback, and that feedback was was very positive. But also, we got some feedback from people saying, "Hey, wait a minute, how about firing your student?" And uh, I was like, you know, let's not. I don't want to talk about firing our student, but but the one thing I, I'd like to hear uh, from those that are here talking today, and also from you after this episode, send us some feedback. Is you know what makes a good student? What makes a good student? What makes a good flight student? What good makes a good student in general? And uh, that that is a very important topic. So that's something that you know I thought about myself. You know what would make a good student myself? But what we're going to have uh, you know our other co-hosts kind of lead off this discussion. And I know uh, there's one that really is chomping at the bit right now to talk, and that's uh, that's Eric. Eric, what, give us give us a, a one or a few different things that you think would be a good student. We're going to list these and and have them on the uh, the podcast as a list on on the website. You know, I was thinking about this, and I actually wrote some things down, and then I realized that all of my things all centered back to one core point, and it's the one thing that I think the fewest amount of people in our flight training thinking about, because I certainly didn't, and I didn't realize it was important until I became a flight instructor. And I, I sum it up like this, know your why. Why are you doing this? What is it that you seek to accomplish? If your goal is, 
well, I just want to do something interesting to spend my time. You're probably not going to be the best student because your motivation is, well, it's not really strong. I mean, and that, I, I don't mean that as an insult to anybody. I mean, it's, it's perfectly fine to say, you know what, I want to fly for a hobby. And that's great. Um, I started flying when I was 13 years old because I was just in love with it. I had no idea that I could be a pilot. And actually, people told me I couldn't be a pilot because my vision was terrible. I was colorblind and I was too tall. It's like, well, you're never going to fly for the military. And if you don't fly for the military, you can't fly for commercial airlines. So give it up, kid. You know, so I, that was that was never even on the horizon. It was just something I was really passionate about doing. But the reason I stuck at it and mowed grass and took the trash out was because that was my why. I wanted to do it because I loved it. And that's a strong why. There are people who do it because they want to become professionals in the field. Okay, that's fine. The thing I've experienced most, and I would say this is probably true in 90 or 95% of cases, where a student stops making progress or falls behind, gets discouraged, or in the worst possible case, leaves flight training, it's because they lose sight of their why or because they never really had a why in the first place and it was a just because kind of activity. And so, sure, we can get into talking about preparation and being ready for your lesson and taking responsibility for your own flight training and making sure that, you know, you're having open lines of communication with your CFI. And I'm sure that we're going to get into all of that. But if there's, if I can lead off with one point, it would be this. And it's the, the key to being a great student is knowing your why and holding on to that. I think that's a great, great point, Eric. You know, I, I do a lot of uh, career coaching for people, and one of the things that I always start out with is, you know, why do you want to do this? And, uh, well, gosh, you know, that's that's always a it, – it's a slap in the face because you really – you find yourself, you know, looking inwards and saying, is this really for me? Is this really what I want? And, uh, you know, what's interesting is a lot of the coaching I've done, uh, about half the people I coach decide not to go into aviation for a living. Imagine that. Uh, I coach a lot of people that are starting out, and it's exactly what you just said, Eric. They they didn't know why, and uh, when they got their why down, uh, then then they really were able to to move forward in the direction they wanted to go in, and uh, they really didn't understand too. The the why changes too. Uh, why are you doing this? Why are you know? I I started out my why with I just think it'd be really cool to be in the air. You know, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. I read that. I wanted to be the seagull and flying around. I never thought I'd do it for a living. So the why went from just being able to float through the air to actually moving forward. But it's still to the point of being a good student, it helped to have that why, why you wanted to actually be up in the air. So that's a that's an awesome, awesome point. Um, anybody else have another one to throw in there instead of – I know Eric has a whole bunch of these, but uh, Sean, do you have one that you want to throw in there? Yeah, I would say um, one of the things I, – I'll be the first to admit, I was not the greatest student when I first started my uh, my flying lessons. Um, I think one of the things that's really important when you're going to get started with uh, with flight training is to make sure that you can commit to it 
on a on a constant schedule. Um, I would go, you know, I'd go twice one week, and then I'd go three weeks without flying because you know either the weather was bad or the you know I just couldn't fit it into my schedule. I was in high school when I started. And um, I, I think you really need to make sure you prioritize it and set that time aside. And, you know, obviously you can't do much about the weather, but make sure that you build time into your schedule to keep it going. Because otherwise, I mean, as you guys know, especially you guys who are CFIs, that those skills are going to deteriorate. That knowledge is going to go away unless you're constantly using it. The motor skills aren't going to stay the way they were. So if, if you're going to decide that you're going to fly, make, go ahead and make the commitment that you are going to be there you know, at least once or twice a week until you until you at least get through solo, if nothing else. Um, you know, I think that's uh, one of the things that people tend to get tripped up on is not doing it consistently enough. And and when you get that muscle memory down, you know, maybe then you can go a, a week or so without going up. But until you really start to get those motor skills, I think you need to be going at least a couple times a week. So to add to that point, Sean, do you think it's important also to keep to a schedule of, of studying, not just out there flying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you can't, like I said, if you can't control the weather, if you can't uh, go up in the air, then chair fly, go over procedures, go over you know emergency checklists, that kind of thing. Um, that's one of the nice things is that it doesn't take all that much to to do the book work. The weather doesn't have to be nice. You don't have to drive anywhere as long as you got your textbook and a and a couch. You can be sitting there reviewing things or looking ahead in the syllabus if you're wanting to you know kind of get ahead of the uh, ahead of yourself. Um, you know, there's there's really always something you can be doing to to try and further yourself as far as that goes. You know, you, you brought up a term there that that, that we use uh, quite frequently, and you said chair fly. For those that are, say, just getting started and that are listening, what, what do you mean by that, chair fly? Sure. Um, you know, if you're just starting out, you're going to be doing, going through different procedures or different checklists, different flows or different maneuvers. And, you know, just sitting on your couch or in a, in a desk chair, if you have a simulator, even better, you can sit and kind of move the levers. But visualize what you're going to be going through, whether it's a normal takeoff, visualize, you know, using the rudders, watching the airspeed indicator, you know, visualizing that if you're flying a 172 like I'm used to, seeing 55 knots, feeling rotate, going through your checklist procedures, anything you can do to kind of get your body and your mind prepared to to be prepared for what's coming. Um, so you, when you actually get in that situation, you've thought about it, you've visualized it, and your your muscles are kind of ready to make the correct movements. And it's interesting you mentioned that chair flying because, you know, no matter how far you go in aviation, airline pilots do it. They they have procedures trainers where they put pictures on the wall and they touch things and say, this is what we're going to do when we are getting ready to take off or before we land, and that's chair flying. You're not actually touching any controls. Uh, so I, I think that's a great point. Be consistent and uh, and also do some chair flying uh, when you can't go in and, and fly. That's awesome, Sean. Well, Victoria, I know you have, uh, have another suggestion. Well, actually, I was just going to piggy off of what Sean said about being proactive and just really knowing what's expected of you. When I started flying, I didn't know it was expected and I just kind of waited for my homework. But I think it would have been a lot better if I um, knew what was happening at the next flight or always spoke up like, hey, you know, I didn't feel comfortable with the stalls last time. Let's do this again. It's okay for you to take charge and it's okay for you to tell the instructor, you know, what you think you expect or um if you have a question about something, you know, by all means, 
ask it. And um, if you're having trouble with something, work on that. Um, An example would be uh, the King videos. I think all of us, almost all of us have used those. Do a couple videos before going on your next flight lesson. And to tell you something about preparedness, uh, the CFI I'm working with right now for my instrument currency uh, he assigned me homework because I said so. I was like, I am so busy. Assign me homework, please. And so I have different approaches and things I look over each night. But he had a student who completed three ratings, who's three or four ratings in one month. And he got just knocked him out, bam, bam, bam. And this is because this student was already a CFI. And basically, he wrote the syllabus. He knew what he had to get done to do it. And the CFI was just there to sit there and guide him and make sure he didn't kill himself. So he got all this, I think it was multi-engine, multi-engine CFI and stuff like that done within one month because he was that prepared. That's awesome. That's uh, that's a great, great idea. As a matter of fact, there's flight schools that do that. They send you all the materials. They get everything prepared. Be prepared. Uh, I think that's a that's a great idea. Good, good point. Uh, we're going to do a round robin here, and then we're going to get to some other. Uh, you know, we're going to have. We I know a lot of us have lists, but I want to make sure everybody gets their their one favorite thing they want to put in right now. Uh, Rick Rick Felty, what what is yeah. your one thing you want to put in? Yeah, I, I just I'll, I want to say something too about Victoria's thing. That's actually just so true about education in general. And I think I'll, for me, you know, just it was was not long after college that I realized I probably could have taken better advantage of college. If you know what I mean, you know, you, you, you're I hear some chuckling because you know you look at it and you you know I made it through fine, but I could have really had you know now I just I, I really love learning and I sort of go after it more. And I think there's that opportunity with everything and with flying in particular is if you stay. Yeah. Challenge yourself, know where you're going, be ahead of it, you know, all that stuff and, and not just waiting for the next thing to wash over you. You'll, you'll have a better experience and you'll move through it faster and you'll learn more. And it's, you know, true in general. Um, the other yeah, thing that came to mind when I thought of this was um, to and this is sort of that sort of uh, the same as anybody as being a pilot, which is um, uh, take take the process seriously and 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 the the job seriously, both learning and flying and treat it with respect, you know, a healthy dose of respect and not, you know, it's not a, it's not a, uh, trivial thing you're doing. It's, um, it's challenging and it requires discipline. And if you are, you know, if you're serious about it, uh, for whatever your why is that Eric talked about, um, you know, respect what's going on. Cause there's, a, and, and people who, uh, you, you know, you know, you meet, uh, students and or uh, pilots who you can tell kind of get that and um, and others who are, I, you know, sometimes worrisome to, to fly with who don't who aren't uh, t- treating it seriously and, and with respect and are a little too uh, cavalier about the whole thing. Um, that's a problem in general. And, and as a student, I don't think it's a good sign that you're not, you know, you're not treating it with, uh, seriously and, tre- you know, taking treating uh, piloting uh, with respect. So. That's that's my thing. That's awesome. That's a that's a great way to look at it, Rick. And, I, and just in general, in learning. Uh, but but you know, Rick, going back, you had fun though in college, didn't you? So that was important. Oh, it's I had social. a blast. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, and and it's true. You've got to have fun. Um, so it's not saying that it's 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 a drudge. But I would have. I think I if I if I'd adjusted my head a little bit differently, I would have had fun and had fun learning more. I mean, but of course you you know when you're at that age. 
you do what you do. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's more later you look back at, wow, I, you know, I had a, I had this situation where all I had to do was learn as much as I could, <laughs> you know, and have fun. Whereas, you know, in life, other responsibilities kick in and it's hard to find the time to, to devote enough time to just learning things. So uh, that's all, that's all I meant by that, which is you could take it more seriously rather than I'm going to pass this. I'm going to do, I'm going to achieve at doing this, you know? Right. There's a difference. That's all. Yes. Yes, I agree. But uh, but know, yeah, I, I had fun for sure. Yeah, and you had fun <laughs> learning too. But it's and in, in a different yeah, flying. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's yeah, exactly. And and in and in uh, in aviation, you know, in learning to fly, I had I had a great time doing it. But I was also of the mind of being challenged by it. You know, I wanted to uh, you know drink from the fire hose. Right. So I so I had a great time doing that. And you know. And you don't have to. You can take it slower and all that. And I and I didn't do it quickly. I'm just meaning there's a lot you got to take in. And if you enjoy taking in a lot of information and mastering a skill, it's 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 a great example of something you should try. I just wanted to add something about how you said have fun while learning. I think um, a lot of my training was so stressful and hard on me because I was focusing on the training. I was just thinking of this goal of becoming a pilot and then becoming an instrument pilot and becoming a commercial pilot. And I didn't allow myself to have that much fun while training. There was always this end goal. And maybe if I would have had a flight instructor join me for a hundred dollar hamburger or, you know, Hey, let's fly over my parents' lake and wave to them. I think that would have made the experience much more enjoyable. So maybe you don't have to learn every time you're in the plane or while you're doing the $100 hamburger, that can be a learning experience, but be sure to do some fun flights because, you know, that's what it's all about. That's an awesome point. You know, it kind of opens you up to learning too. It relaxes you and all of a sudden there's a, there's that teachable moment and you're, exactly. and you're ready to receive it. So awesome, awesome point. I think that's really important to have fun while you're doing it. Uh, and, you know, I, I know with my students, I always tell them, hey, listen, we're going to get this done and then you can do whatever you want. And, uh, and they sometimes choose, let's go to an airport or they want to go look at something or whatever, but it, it brings the fun back to this because, you know, this is a, a, you know, it's a, it's a fun activity. It's, it's a blast. It's like golf. We're competing with golf. We're competing with sailing and, and many different activities that are out there and we have to make it fun. That's for sure. And that's why being in a flight club is such a great idea. And I talk to people a lot. Well, you know, that's a great idea. Sure. Yeah. I've joined a flight club, but there's not one in my airport. Okay, well, start one. <laughs> start one. Um, having other people to share aviation with is so important, and it's such an important part of the process. I was hanging out at the airport when I was 13, you know, listening to everybody's stories. What did you do? You know, what was your story? What, what was your experience? And that was almost as valuable at that point as getting in the airplane and flying. I mean, I mean, that first year, I hadn't started growing, so I was sitting on phone books, able to see over the panel of the 172 anyway. I couldn't you even reach the rudder pedals. I know. It's crazy. I used to be really, really short, um, but uh, now 6'3", so I don't have that problem anymore. Um, but you know, hearing those stories and being a part of that community goes a long way toward keeping the why alive, um, and you have to be passionate about it, or you know, you're, just, you're not going to be motivated. And there's, there's a difference between being so stoic and so regimented that you don't allow any fun to come into your life. And then there's the other extreme where you look only for the recreational benefit of it and you don't take it seriously enough. And, and Sean spoke to that too. Um, it, there's, a, there's a middle ground there. I mean, you have to take it seriously. You have to treat it with respect. 
But if you're not having fun, like Victoria said, you're not going to progress. It doesn't matter how how diligently you lower your shoulder and push if it's not fun and you're not enjoying it and you're not enjoying the experience because of the type of skill pilot training is, you're not going to progress at the rate you want to, which is just going to lead to further discouragement. So there has to be that that recreational mindset there. You just have to balance that with um, a sense of responsibility and, and treating the activity with the respect that it reserves. That's a good point. They the recreational side of it is, is is actually sometimes being able to flush your mind of the outside world and, and concentrate on what you're doing. I think that that's a great stress relief. I see guys in really you know high stress jobs come to, and do this just so they can forget about what they're doing uh, within their job. So that's that's really important. Um, I know that uh, Eric, you had a big list. Actually, I didn't put in my my one topic first before we do get to Eric's list because Eric's obviously in this day in day out and instructing. But one of the things that my my number one thing as far as being a good student, you know, is to try to prepare yourself for input. In other words, uh, some people, you know, I like to call it feedback input. Uh, we also tend to use the word criticism. And I'm not sure I'd use that word. I like to use the input word. And I'll tell you why. No matter where you are in your training, you can always get better, and there's always somebody that is better. Uh, you know what? I, I fly with the majors, and everybody thinks they're a great pilot. You get to the majors, and everybody's good. Everybody is, is an outstanding pilot. So you, you think you're Top Gun, but then when you start flying with Top Gun, you realize that, yeah, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. And I can always learn from every individual that's out there. And the person that shuts that off is the person that's going to stop learning and moving forward. So you, what the point is just keep yourself open to, to any type of input. And it's, it's really tough once you get to that level because um, you know when you make a mistake and you know when something's not good, but um, the person next to you may not want to tell you because they don't really want to hurt your feelings, you're, you're a professional, etc. But that's true on any level. As long as you have that respect uh, of, e- of each other, and we talked about that, uh, you, can, you can put input in there and say, hey, listen, do you mind if I, I make a suggestion? Uh, or, you know, I, hey, I saw you do that. You know, what is it you did there? I'm, I kind of want to learn how to do that or whatever. And, and the person goes back and says, oh, I screwed up. That's why I did that or something like that. So just be open, open to, to being a student and instructing and to that, to that quote-unquote criticism, feedback. Um, you have to watch, balance that, though, because there are some of those instructors that that's all they do is criticize, criticize. And, um, you know, you know, Eric, as an instructor, you can you could probably take out a list of 20 things that the person did wrong during the flight, but you really don't want to do that. You want to give feedback on maybe three of those items because uh, you're trying to build that person up and say, hey, let's try to make this better next time. And if they're really good, you say, hey, listen, let's get this tighter, that type of thing. So I think It's funny, right. all of our... All of the CFI students that I've trained have all asked, how do we tell a student they did something wrong? Nobody likes being told they did something wrong. I didn't like it in my training. Like, how do you tell a student that they did something wrong? And I said, well, if you're doing your job well, you never have to. Because the best way, the best way to get to that, and that's a fabulous point, and I know this doesn't have so much to do with being a student, more maybe with being an instructor, but a student should should expect that the instructor is going to involve them in the critiquing process. And the most effective critique, the most effective feedback you can ever give a student is letting the student critique 
and provide feedback on their own performance. And, you know, early on in training, obviously that's difficult because there's, there's no benchmark to compare to. But at the very least, it's, so tell me about how you felt during this maneuver. Not did you perform it to the practical test standard or whatever. How did you feel? Well, I had no idea what I was doing. Okay, well, you've just let the student tell you about an issue. And now as an instructor, you get to see and, and have perfect access to the teachable moment. And I think students tend to rely on their instructors to just provide that feedback and you know, Victoria has mentioned this numerous times, and it's such a, a valid point, and I've heard it a lot from students. I experienced it myself with various instructors over the years, where it's just a constant, it's a, you know, it's a fire hose of information coming at the instructor, and you want to get a word in there edgewise, or you know, you want to, well, but what about, and it's, no, 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 I'm the instructor. And I think in order to be a good student, Part of that process is maintaining an open line of communication, and you should expect that you are going to be involved in the feedback process, that you're going to be instrumental in that, because a good instructor is going to try to figure out your perspective and your self-critique before they begin providing their own feedback, because the issue may not be that you botched the maneuver. It may be that you didn't understand the maneuver in the first place. When you get this feedback, you have to be aware that it's not an attack on you and that it's actually something beneficial and do not be embarrassed at all. Um, when I started my instrument recurrency, I emailed my flight instructor and I said, warning, this is going to be messy. I haven't been current in five years. And he wrote back a beautiful description of someone in a hospital in one of those hospital gowns where your butt sticks out of. And he said, you know, you feel like a fool and you feel so embarrassed in this, but the doctor sees it all the time and is not the least bit affected by it. He goes, imagine me as the doctor and you're the one with the naked butt. He says, I've seen it. I've seen it all and that's what I'm here for. So I like that one. I may, yes. uh, I may yeah, repackage I'm that. that that's a good one. <laughs> the naked butt theory. The naked butt theory. Okay, good. That'll be the show title, The Naked Butt Theory. Naked Butt Theory of Flight you know, Instruction. Even telling that to the student, like, I immediately felt comfortable. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm not being judged. This is perfectly normal, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to fly, and I'm going to kick ass. So, No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> now that we're talking about butts. <laughs> there we go. Back to the butts. Uh, help it. You um, set them up, um, I knock them down. Knock them down. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's great as far as the feedback goes. Be be ready for it. And just uh, and the thing is, and, and again on the instructor side, you have to be careful the way you say things. And everybody has different personalities. It's uh, but just if you come knowing you're going to get some of that feedback, it's it's a lot easier. But uh, but anyway, so that that was mine. The uh, the feedback one. But we, I know we have this list. And I asked uh, Eric to come up with one, and uh, kind of I, I wanted to go round robin, and, and everybody just kind of jump on this list that Eric had come up with, as far as uh, you know what makes a good student. So Eric, take it away. Yeah, I mean, and I'll obviously we'll post this in the show notes. I won't take the time to go through all of them, but there are, there are a couple of them here I would like to talk about, and I think we've discussed some of them already in other comments. One of the big ones is training milestones. Most students in my experience that I've worked with come into training expecting the instructor to come every lesson and say, okay, this is what we're going to do today. And that is a method of flight instruction. It is not the most effective 
Um, it will waste your time as a student, and it will waste your money. And the best way to proceed through your flight training is obviously, like Victoria said, ask for homework. Be prepared. What are we doing next lesson? If you ask your instructor, you know, you know, what syllabus do you use? Can I get a copy of it? And your instructor's response is, oh, it's all in my head. You know, I don't use one of those silly syllabi. Okay, you might want to think about <laughs> a different pathway. And nothing against that style of instruction. Again, it, it does work. There are people who do it very well every day. But you're not going to have any clue what you're doing until you show up at the airport. And as a result, you are not going to be as prepared as you should be, and you are going to waste time and money. It's just a simple fact. Um, the best thing you can do is prepare yourself before you show up. The second part of that is developing training milestones. And this is something you need to do with your instructor because, again, like we've talked about, you don't know what you don't know. So sit down with your instructor and say, this is my goal. I want to be done with my private instrument, whatever, by this date. Like, this is a goal that I have. I'd like to get it done in three months, six months, whatever it is. In order for me to do that, how often do I need to fly? Based on your syllabus, at what point should I solo? At what point should I be doing my solo cross countries? When should I have my knowledge test complete? Build a schedule. Not, well, for the next two weeks, we're going to fly on Monday and Wednesday. That, no, no, no. All the way through. Build training milestones for yourself and hold yourself to those. If you have goal intermediate goals to meet, it's a lot easier to get to the end goal. If you just say, yeah, in six months, I'm going to be a private pilot. Well, how? Based on what? I mean, you may get there, but it's a lot easier to get there. I mean, think about, yes, I'm going to drive from Central Florida to California. Okay, how are you going to get there? I'll figure it out. <laughs> well, it'd be easier if you had a list of turns to make and road names to get you there, right? I mean, this is common sense. So build a training plan and stick with it. That's, that's one of my biggest things. Um, and I guess the, the second one, um, which is I hear, I hear this as an issue between students and instructors. I think it's probably the thing that I hear students and instructors argue about the most, and that's um, uh, ground briefing time, pre- and post-flight. And the thing I, I try to impress upon student pilots, and it's so true, Flight training is not an on-off activity. You don't just immediately flip a switch and you're learning to fly, and then you flip a, flip a switch and you're done. It, it's not that's, That skill doesn't work that way. You have to prep for it, and then you have to debrief after. If you think about this, you're a private pilot, you have 20 hours, right? And you don't like paying your instructor for half an hour of extra time on the ground, okay? It's a law, law of economics. The simple truth is, when you have 8,000 and 10,000 hours and you're flying at the airlines and you go in for a current training, Carl, back me up on this, hours of setup and pre-brief and then debrief after you're done. Am I wrong about that? It's usually, uh, it's usually two to three days. Yeah. So, I mean, this is – it's not um, – airline pilots don't go to recurrent training and jump in the sim and do a loft scenario and go home. It doesn't work that way. I mean, and if you think about a 10,000-hour pilot goes through their recurrent training in that style, don't you think maybe if you had 10, 15, 20 hours or even 100 hours that that might be a useful learning style for you too? Um, and I, that's the thing I try to impress. Don't look at it as, you know, my instructor is nickel and diamond. I mean, first of all, if your instructor is defrauding you, you know, we've talked about finding a new instructor. Okay, and then that's just, that, that's just 
ethics, okay? Ethics and professionalism. But if your instructor is telling you, let's meet beforehand, we're going to discuss the lesson, we're going to go out and pre-flight the airplane, we're going to fly when we come back, we're going to debrief, we're going to talk about what went well, what didn't, and we're going to prepare for the next lesson. Not only should that be the, your expectation as a student, but you should really appreciate that because that time the instructor is giving you on the ground is actually saving you money because otherwise you'd be learning that with the propeller turning, and that costs a lot more money. So those, that, that's just one, it's an expectation thing, but it's a thing I often hear as, a, as an issue from students. So um, anyway, that's, uh, th- those are my two basic things. And I'll, I'll give the, the list uh, to Carl. We'll make sure it gets in the show notes for anybody who wants to comment otherwise. But if anybody else wants to jump on it, have at it. Well, Eric, you know, you mentioned about the ground instruction, the brief and, and things like that. <laughs> you know, what about the students that say, well, you're my flight instructor. Why should I pay you for ground school? And I, I've had this happen to me. I'm curious oh, sure. what your answer is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get that question all the time. My instructors get that question all the time. It doesn't matter what expectation we set with the students. It's always, um, it's always some, you know, and listen, from, from day one, and I tell students and instructors this, from day one, your two parties diametrically opposed to each other. The student wants to spend as little money as possible, and the instructor needs your money to keep the lights on. Okay, so, so there's, a, there's already a philosophical shift going on there. The key here is transparency. As a student, you should always feel comfortable asking your instructor, why am, I, why am I being charged for this? And your instructor should always have a well-qualified answer for that. Um, if your instructor doesn't, that's potentially an issue. If your instructor tells you, and again, I think it's about expectation setting. If from the beginning of training, from our first lesson, I tell you, this is how we're going to do this. This is why we're going to do it this way. And at the end of your training, after in the end of each lesson, you will see the value in this. When you're done with your training, you will see the value in it. And then, you know, ultimately, for a student who just absolutely refuses to pay for ground, then maybe you need to find a different flight instructor. Maybe you need, if that's what you want, if you only want to be taught or you only want to pay for time that you're in the airplane, that's perfectly fine. My point is, and I've seen it 100,000 times, I'm telling you, you're going to end up spending more money in the long run because when your instructor teaches you in the airplane, the propeller is turning and that costs a lot of money. When your instructor is doing prep, pre and post on the ground, that's a whole lot cheaper. And you should actually see that as a cost savings, not as an additional charge. And to that point, Eric, I know I had a student that used to argue with me almost every lesson and would debate with me on, on the price and the cost and maybe take a few uh, minutes off the actual flight instruction, et cetera. And that student actually spent more money with me than any other getting their instrument rating uh, because of that fact, because we didn't have the time to brief, debrief, and it was a constant battle. So uh, amazingly enough, wanted to save pennies but uh, lost dollars. Yeah, it's uh, saving, a, you know, saving a dollar to spend a hundred. I mean, it's, yeah. it's okay. I mean, if, if that's what you want, if that's your expectation from flight training, I guarantee you there is an instructor out there who will teach you that way. But from experience, as a student and as an instructor, I'm telling you, you will spend more money in the long run doing it that way that's interesting um you know that whole list that you came up with there's some really great stuff in there and i, I definitely will put that in there 
but what's interesting is that, uh, if you don't mind, I want to uh, bring in some live feedback. Uh, I forgot to brief this beforehand. I did put this question out there live uh, to some people. So I've gotten some really interesting uh, feedback. One of them uh, we just talked about, you know, being able to take and use constructive criticism. That's one of the feedbacks from one of our listeners that uh, just, just sent us uh, feedback on this. And also, uh, the other interesting one that I heard was understanding, as a, as a student, you should understand that Rome wasn't built in a day. And uh, isn't that so true? We we want so bad to get to the end and, we, and that goal that's in sight uh, that sometimes we trip along the way and are going too quickly. But uh, those were those were the only only two that I could actually mention on on here. But uh, uh, you know, there's there's some very it's interesting. There's there's some very passionate people about this topic. As far as you know, what what's a good student, etc. Um, another thing that I, I think I really want to touch on is Eric is uh, the simulation time. I know that was in your in your list is loggable and not loggable, and I I have some very strong opinions about this, and um, I get a lot of pushback from from students. I'd love to hear from from uh, the other folks here too, as far as what. What do you feel about simulation time as far as saying to someone, hey, listen, you know, why don't we get in a simulator and let's let's do a stall, say, in a simulator as opposed to doing it in the airplane since we're having some issues maybe with uh, understanding that. So let's maybe go to the simulator. And they're like, well, that's not airplane time. I want to be in the airplane. So, you know, how, how do you respond to something like that? Oh, goodness. That's a whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> Um, it, getting me started on simulation is like giving a kid a box of ice cream and That's saying, "Don't eat it all." <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> I will try. I will try not to eat all the ice cream. Um, yeah. So with simulation, and the reason I'm so passionate about it, if if for those that don't know this story, by the time I got my private pilot certificate, I had 300 hours logged in Microsoft Flight Simulator. Um, now, again, that's over like a you know seven year period. So. You know, I didn't do it. I wasn't up all night, every night, flying Microsoft Flight Simulator. I couldn't fly all the time. I couldn't. I mean, I could only afford one hour of flight time a month. That's not a lot, you know. And I was doing a lot of chores and, and other things to, to get the rest. So um, I used, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I was using my mouse to fly until my parents finally felt so sorry for me. Uh, they bought me a joystick um, to fly with. But procedurally, going through the checklist, like what Sean said, yeah, and chair flying is, is a great way to do that too. But with Flight Simulator, and especially now, I mean, even though Microsoft Flight Simulator X um, is, you know, a, an older product, when did that come out? 2006, 2008, whenever it was. Um, it's an older product, certainly, but you can practice ATC, you can practice pattern entries, checklist usage, uh, anything else you wanted to go over. Um, Anyway, I, I don't know what else to say about simulation other than that it is a time multiplier. It will save you money in the long run. And the ultimate answer, I guess, to the question is, you know, I want to be in the airplane. You, you don't know what you don't know, and I, I, and I wish there was a nicer way to say it than that. When you're in the airplane and you don't know what you're doing, you're just wasting your money. I mean, you just because the airplane is a lousy place to learn something. You can do it. It is possible, but it will take longer. And when it takes longer, that means it costs more. The amount of time you can spend on the ground, either with a cockpit poster and a chair or Microsoft Flight Simulator on your home computer or a, a, a nice flight simulation device at your local airport, whatever the case is, 
it will save you money in the airplane and it will make you a better pilot. Um, and I, I could go through case after case after case of this, but I, I am the greatest case study of this. I, you know, I was in a position where I could not follow my own advice in my list and fly no less than twice a week. That wasn't even a possibility. It wasn't even a close possibility. The only way for me to keep my skills up was to use flight simulation to augment the time that I wasn't able to be in the airplane. So anyway, I guess that, I, I think I only ate about half the ice cream. So <laughs> there you go. But, you know, with, with that said, I mean, how many people have used a, a simulator in their primary training? I know I did. Um, um, you know, Sean, Rick, did you, uh, Vic, did you use uh, a simulator during your primary? Uh, I, I did not. No? Okay. Interesting. It was I did a little bit for, yeah, a little bit for procedures, nothing for actual, you know, maneuvers or anything like that. And again, I, I learned to fly uh, starting in 2000, got my private in 2003. So flight simulators weren't quite what they were today as far as some of the technology. Um, so it might be a little bit more feasible these days uh, visually to, to see visual cues, I, outside references. I, Go ahead, I was Rick. A, I was a big flight simulator flyer too, you know, mm -hmm. at home before I got really into it for real. And I actually stopped doing that at some point uh, because I thought it was affecting my um, ability to feel what I was doing in the air because yeah. I was looking out the window and trying to just do it, it, it was it was distracting. I was I had think I had learned some bad habits because that was oh, you know, you're sure. not feeling anything. So I stopped for a while and then I went back to it because it's very fun. But, I had uh, an instructor tell me to stop using flight simulator because <laughs> I would only ever like fly fighter jets and, and biz jets and that kind of thing. Like, stop flaring two hundred feet above the runway. Stop it. <laughs> so I had to I had to put myself on a break and well, uh, get my used early to instructor right <laughs> my early instructor got on to me too because I spent so much time staring at the computer monitor that I didn't have an outside scan. And, mm. you know, and it's an issue. You know, there, there's pros and cons to everything. So when you hear me extol the value of simulation, understand that, like everything else, there's balance there. Sure. Um, and you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to, you know, know what the pros and cons are. For example, learning to land in a flight simulator with a flat screen is a useless waste of your time. There is mm -hmm. no depth perception. Um, there's no way to do that. It, it, it is a negative transfer of learning. Okay, so don't try to perfect your landings in Microsoft Flight Simulator <laughs> because it's right. a, it, it's a waste of your time. It's it's not good for that. Running checklists, mm -hmm. practicing. You know, where am I? Figuring mm -hmm. out where you are. When is it time to make the radio call? What radio call are you going to make? Again, knowing the limitations of the device you're using are extremely important, and using it appropriately is certainly also important or you can develop bad habits i could say yeah. the same thing about operating in the airplane there's plenty mm -hmm. of opportunities to develop bad habits there because most of the time when there's an issue your instructor is going to jump on the radio or your instructor is going to take control of the airplane and you're not you're going to just pattern after whatever your instructor is doing rather than doing it yourself so again there are pros and cons in both situations um and it is about a balance, and it's about understanding the strengths and weaknesses of the equipment. I think that's a really valid point. You certainly cannot teach yourself to fly um, in Microsoft Simulator. If you could, nobody would go pay whatever <laughs> it costs to rent a, a new 172 now. You know, it, it, no one True. would do that. So, yeah, of course. And, and like Rick said, the, the, the physical sensation is also important. Again, understand you're not going to get that tactile feel when you're using your 15.6-inch you know, your laptop monitor. You just, mm -hmm. You're not going to get that. However, 
it costs a lot of money to practice checklists and radio communication in the airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because and you can do that for procedures. free at home. And instrument procedures yeah. are a huge oh, yeah. thing. But even mm-hmm. for even in the visual world, there's still tons of stuff you can do. Speaking mm-hmm. from personal experience, in the sim, you just have to be aware of those bad habits and stay away from those. How about you, uh, Vic? Did you use a simulator when you did your private? Um, yeah, I used one twice in my private just because the weather, well, it's Michigan. The weather was always <laughs> bad. And, you know, um, I think it's good for, you know, practicing emergency situations or, you know, engine out, instrument approaches for sure. But they never did it for me. I I need the vibrations of the plane. I need the headset clamping my head. I need the smell. Airplanes have the smell. I, I need all that. It, it just doesn't feel real. And I don't know if it's because I don't take it as seriously because I know like, hey, it's a simulator. I can't kill myself or um, what. But I, I'd rather be in an airplane any day. But, you know, going through my IFR again right now, I feel like it is beneficial to, you know, brief the approach in a sim before actually doing it in an airplane. That's a good point. You know, it's uh, it also doesn't have that that dog smell cuz you're usually in an airplane <laughs> with your dog. Right? That too, that too. <laughs> so is that what you do? You pull out your simulator and then you have turbo sitting there next to you. I take a whiff and then okay, oh, it feels real. It's, it's, it's real now. <laughs> do you uh, like turbo I've, use I've the always, control sometimes? Yeah, he um he has touched the throttle once. I made him stay away from the mixture. Good. Um, he helped Bob with the flaps one day. He kept his paw on there. Oh, it's cute. That is cute. That is cute. Uh, but uh, well, gosh, guys, we've we've really kind of run out of time. Except I just got another uh, one more uh, from another listener. Uh, I kind of sprung this on you guys. I didn't brief you that we'd have some listener feedback here too. But here's the this one. I think is awesome. So I definitely I want to put this in here, and I'd love to hear hear your thoughts on this. Uh, he has a comment. He's a flight instructor, and uh, he's saying that for experienced crowd, in other words, experienced pilot looking to get additional training, understand that a younger flight instructor with less hours can still train you successfully. Oh, for sure. Wow, good point. Very yeah. good point. Yeah, <laughs> they're fresh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, there's there's some uh, it's some really young folks out there. I remember my first uh, checkout flight with uh, with a, a young man that did my, you know, first checkout as a flight instructor. And he had a lot more experience in the airplane than I did. It's like, wow, you know, but you have to take a step back. It doesn't matter their age. And sometimes, um, you know, a lot of younger instructors run into that. Uh, say you have somebody with lots and lots of hours that's coming to you for an additional rating. They're still, you know, pulling that information from you. So if you're the student, you know, realize it doesn't matter what age they are. Uh, they have the knowledge that you need and they have the skills that you need. And uh, don't look at them as somebody younger. You can give them knowledge and something else in life possibly. But right now, they're giving you the knowledge, the experience, the wisdom in the aviation world. So that was an awesome, awesome feedback. Actually, that was from somebody that Eric Crump knows. Um, hey, by the way, this this was pretty awesome, some of this live feedback. I'd like to know if, if some of you folks like that. I'm wondering what the host, the other co-host think. Do you think that was pretty cool to have some people bringing in live feedback? 
For sure. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's great. We wouldn't to get, be here without them. Yes. So. Yeah. It's that's great sure. to get the opinions of the people listening. Um, that's. I mean, we we enjoy talking to each other, but we could do this and not broadcast it. <laughs> we do. This is this is for you guys, and and at least from my perspective, it's great. It the interaction I get to have with you guys offline is really great. Being able to do that while we're actually having this uh, this conversation is even better. So I'm all for it. Cool. And I'd like to hear feedback from the listeners about this because I did this little, a small little chat and I wanted to see how it worked out. Uh, would you like to do that? Would you like to uh, know when we're recording and uh, maybe put in your own feedback in, in a different, like a little chat room? So I'd love to hear back from the listeners. So that was awesome, guys. I mean, there's so much more here that we could talk about. We could go on for hours and hours uh, about little details as to, you know, what would make a good student, et cetera. But I think we've touched on some of the most important things here. But we're going to have a list, and we're going to put that in the show notes at uh, Stuck Mike Avcast, and that's uh, slash 94, which is the one we're on right now. Our picks of the week. Um, but we do have, in our next segment, uh, moving on to the picks of the week, and this is always so much fun. There's so many cool things out there. So in our pick of the week, um, one of the things that uh, Eric's going to talk about is kind of interesting. Uh, so uh, Eric, what is your pick of the week? My pick of the week may sound a little bit odd and not completely on topic, but trust me, there is a method to my madness. My new app obsession, I'm going to go after Rick Felty's territory and talk about apps. Um, I love this app called Waze, uh, W-A-Z-E, um, and I'm, I'm late to the party. I'm always late to the party. Apparently, this is a huge deal and everybody already knows about it. So if you're already a loyal Waze user, then you know, you're probably listening to this going, Eric, you're a moron. Which you should already know that from episode ninety three, um, but uh, <laughs> but wait, I'm actually interested to hear how, how what the context here is. Okay, so Waze <laughs> is a, um, it's a it's a very simple navigation app. It uses the Google Maps API, and um, and it you know you can report uh, where where cops are. You know if there's some a speed trap thing like that, or a car is pulled over on the side of the road. What whatever you know the, the case is, it's a crowdsourcing. Um, traffic app, and um, and I know I, I know there's there's confusion about how this applies. I have a on a good day a 45 minute drive to work. Okay, um, when when I am acting as a flight instructor, one of the most important things that I impress upon the student is I we have a scheduled time. I expect that you're going to be here. I expect that you're going to be prepared. And I expect that you're going to be ready to go on time. Now, I have a little bit longer drive to work. So when I show up late, it makes me look like an idiot. Okay. <laughs> and if I get pulled over on the way to work because I'm speeding, that also makes me late and makes me look like an idiot. That, I know this is crazy. You're thinking, how does this even apply? Timeliness in aviation, that's why we use aviation. Because, <laughs> because it's fast and because we can do it in our schedule. I love Waze because it's one of those things that helps me. It's one of many tools, by the way, that helps me with timeliness. Timeliness is not one of my greatest strengths, something I strive for, but um, I find it to be an incredible help in getting me where I'm going on time. And I know you're thinking, how does that apply to aviation? Well, hopefully that story helps you. Um, but anywhere you're going, you need to be there at a specific time, um, this I'm telling you, if, you, if you've already used the app, you already know what I'm talking about. If you've never used it, you should really check it out. Also, because it is social network oriented, 
um, you level up. You earn points and you gain levels, and everybody loves getting a, a new sticker or some junk like that, um, even if it doesn't really mean anything. But but it's fun. It's fun, and, and um, it's a way to share road hazards and uh, things like that. I was actually um, traveling over our spring break uh, last week, and somebody had reported a hazard in the road um, and that it was in the left lane of the interstate, so I, I merged over, and sure enough, there's a huge piece of tire tread right there in the left lane of the interstate. And, you know, that could have caused damage to my car. Anyway, my point is, great app, but if you're one of those people like me who has trouble getting where you're going on time, um, maybe sometimes you drive a little faster than you should and you really don't want to get pulled over, um, this might be something you want to look at. So there you go. Ways. Have at it. Well, Eric, I think that was a great tie-in. It's funny that you know, I was the other person that never heard about it till last week. Uh, getting to work on time is incredibly important, you know, in my job and you know, I hate to leave the passengers there just because I got stuck in traffic. But um, getting to your lesson, getting to the airport, whatever it is, maybe you you know you only have the airplane for two hours. You want to make sure you get there on time. I think it's an awesome app, and it's funny because a lot of people at work have talked about it. It also reroutes you. I think that's the coolest thing. They'll say, "Go this way; it's quicker." So uh, you can actually set it up so you can follow the map. But good app, good application for aviation. That was that was awesome. I like that, Eric. Uh, well, actually, moving on, I think Rick felt he actually has an aviation app for us. I See? do, <laughs> but it's way less uh, way less useful. It's one of my time waster apps, um, and uh, this is a, just a fun. I just like the the whole premise behind this. It's a game. It's called Air Wings. They make it for iOS and for Android, and it is basically. Um, it's an aviation game based on a point of view flight of a paper airplane and, or, you know, there's some balsa wood planes and you can, you can, there's in-app purchases to buy more toy planes. And basically you fly your plane around trying to avoid other random flying planes in a space. Um, but it also has, um, targeting capability, which I think you're shooting little paper wads out of your, your paper airplane at other paper airplanes. Uh, but it's really pretty and it's well done. And it's just a nice, fun little point of view flying uh, exercise. Um, there are, there are no flaps. <laughs> there, there is no mixture to worry about. It's none of that. But it is it is very nicely done. It's called Air Wings, and it's very highly rated, so I uh, recommend it. And it's available for both platforms. Well, there's no no flaps because it's a paper airplane. It there you is go. One yeah, of I, my favorites I guess, also. I love, yeah, I love that game. It's yeah, fun. what I meant was it was just there's no deep – it's not about the flying, really. <laughs> it's just about the uh, the visual kind of and, and having fun. But, uh, yeah, and staying and, – and also uh, incredible hang time. <laughs> For paper airplanes, because you, you know, you some fly. great thermals, yeah, really yeah, there are, you are, you fly forever, but uh, yeah, so it's a dream paper airplane game, awesome, awesome. Well, Victoria, you had a, a pretty cool pick of the week, yep. Uh, I read this book a while ago, it's called The Aviator's Wife by Melanie Benjamin, and it's actually. Um, about the life of Anne Moreau, and it starts about when she met Charles Lindbergh and uh, how this they had this romantic, wonderful adventure together, flying everywhere. She did a lot of firsts for women in aviation history. But then, you know, it covers um, some of the harder stuff, the Lindbergh baby and um, the infidelity in their marriage. And I don't know if you can hear my dog squeaking a toy. <laughs> Hey, Turbo. <laughs> yes, hello. Um, but anyway, I highly recommend it. It is um, historical fiction, but lots of it is based on fact. Uh, I think the only place the uh, author took liberties was, you know, romanticizing some 
things and filling in the blanks, you know, during their first dates and some of the, you know, their arguments and things like that. But, uh, historical fiction, very good. Highly recommend the aviator's wife. Aviator's wife. All right. I wrote down the wrong thing. I put the pilot's wife. That's something totally Pretty different. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. That's a, that's a movie too. So let's not. Get oh. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and, and it's totally different. It has uh, some of the, the aspects that you talked about, you know, the, the scandals, et cetera. And there the is the astronaut's wife as well. And there's an ash. Oh my gosh. We could do all the wives. <laughs> it's all about the wives. <laughs> yeah. Time totally different show now. Oh, there you go. Yeah, time travel's wife is one of my favorites. Is it? <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. I've been Me wanting either. to. It's great, well, just it's a great book. It. I, I I can't recommend necessarily the movie. I didn't see it, but the book is awesome. Cool. Okay. Yeah, well, that's our next pick of the week. It's a, 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 a female author, and it was her first novel. So on top of everything, it's incredibly awesome because that's hard to do. Yes. Ooh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Try it out. Cool. Uh, let's see. Next pick of the week, Sean. Sean Moody. Mine is the Ageless Aviation Dreams Foundation. I may have uh, given this one before, but being that we're getting into spring again, it's uh, pretty timely. They're uh, an organization that's really cool. They, um, it's, I'm reading from their website. They say they're a nonprofit organization established and dedicated to honoring seniors and U.S. military veterans. And they, uh, they say they focus on people living in long-term care communities. What they do is they go around with a steerman and uh, give people uh, flights in this steerman. They travel all across uh, the country doing this. I'm looking at their schedule. They start uh, in April. Uh, looks at their first first place is April 16th in Paradise, California, and they go from California to Mississippi, Texas, Arkansas. Kind of looks like mainly across the South, but I do see Minnesota and Wisconsin up there too. Um, but giving people these uh, dream flights in this uh, in this steerman, people who maybe have had a lifelong interest in aviation and, and that kind of thing. So you, you see a lot of things like Young Eagles and that kind of thing to get kids involved. But this is kind of the opposite. It's, it's a neat way to get seniors involved at the same time. And the, uh, the website is uh, agelessaviationdreams.org. Wow, that's, that's awesome. What a, what a neat, neat, neat I love that idea. That is too cool. Uh, and uh, I'll definitely put that one in the show notes. Uh, let's see. Angels, cool stuff. Um, oh, my pick of the week. I forgot. I have one, too. Uh, my pick of the week actually is uh, one that I think is great because the Colorado Pilots Association, they actually, this month, were doing the topic of the month for the FAA safety program. The FAA safety program always has some topic of the month where they focus on some safety issue. Well, the Colorado Pilots Association is involved in doing a lot of mountain flying. So they talk a lot about the mountain flying, and that was their their actual uh, topic of the month, was mountain flying for the FAA. But they have so many cool things on this website. They don't just do the, the, the instruction, et cetera. Of course, you can click on the thing that says backcountry and recreational flying, that type of thing, and learn about doing that. If you've ever wanted to do some mountain flying, it's a perfect way to, to get started. But they have all sorts of fly-ins, and, and uh, they even have scholarships, et cetera. So uh, check it out. They have some really cool uh, other things that they have that are neat, are, are like webcams, et cetera. So if you're out in Colorado, you want to go flying, this is the best people to get in touch with, the Colorado Pilots Association. Some really cool pictures out there uh, from the commemorative Air Force, some historic aircraft, and, and some really cool backwoods flying. So a grassroots organization that has a terrific website, and that's at coloradopilots.org, coloradopilots.org. And you know, now that I'm mentioning the picks of the week, uh, we just started on a, a new project on the website 
uh, we always get questions like, hey, what was that pick of the week uh, on in this episode, that episode, or whatever? Well, what we decided to do is not make it uh, per episode, but come up with a list of picks of the week uh, that are specific to different topics. For instance, uh, just general products, books and publications, games, apps that we talk about, lots of different apps, websites and organizations. Well, you know what we did is we put this as a list and we have it uh, off the on the website. If you go to stuckmikeaffcast.com, click on Picks of the Week, and we'll have all the listings of all the Picks of the Week. Uh, Russ, who's uh, the who's been helping with the, the podcast behind the scenes, he does a lot of uh, the editing. A big shout out to him. He does uh, a lot of the editing of the the blog posts and and those type of things and he gets everything set up for us he's actually putting this whole thing together and it is a monumental task just yeah, imagine that right i mean how many how many different picks of the yeah, week we've i had. went there today and i because you had mentioned it in a note you sent around and, and i had not seen it and it's a it's a great thing yeah that he russ he, i mean he, he's doing a great job pay attention to that man behind the curtain yes yes <laughs> please pay attention to him he makes my yeah, life so good. much easier yeah and he's yeah. he's he's Ooh, enabled russ. me to do to sleep a little bit but uh nowadays uh, but he this is he's only i think up to episode 70 something he's going backwards uh so just imagine how big this page is going to get and yeah. you have all these different links from there so it's long already oh it is i mean, just imagine once he's done with all the episodes how many more are going to be out there realize how many picks of the week we've had you know if you think four usually and all these episodes are up to it's just just phenomenal so we're going to put it in one spot uh not only for you to look at but also for us to look at um uh, now I can go out there, and if I want to buy another app this week, I can just click on that. And uh, I'm really, really excited about this, the new picks of the week. So, The After Landing Checklist. Uh, also, another thing, by the way, is please go, you know, contact us by going to the contact information uh, and check that out because uh, there's many ways to call us, uh, to write us emails, to send us a Twitter, go to Facebook, check us out there. Please go to the Facebook page and like us if you want to follow what we're doing. Uh, we also are coming up with Sun and Fun. I'm uh, usually I post a lot of pictures on my own personal page. Uh, if I can figure out the technology on my iPhone, I'll try to post to Stuck Mike Avcast. But if if you want, you can follow the pictures I'm placing out there in Facebook.com/slash uh, Carl Valeri. That's me. Uh, otherwise, it'll be out there on Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully. Uh, be smart enough to start posting pictures out there. And also, uh, at StuckMikeAvCast uh, in, in uh, Twitter, I'm going to try to post as many pictures as I can. Some really cool stuff. Great. We're going to have some great interviews, some really uh, neat people that are going to be showing up uh, at the uh, at the expo in the, uh, in the Central Florida in Lakeland. It's, it's what I live for. I know Eric Crump lives for it, and we're also going to have a live show from there. So listen uh, for that in the next episode. Also, liveatc.net slash SNF. You can listen right now, actually, to, to uh, things that have been done in the past and things we've been doing. Uh, Stuck Mike Avcast is a huge sponsor of Sun and Fun Radio in that we do go out there and we do a lot of interviews for them throughout the year in all the different events that they do. And um, it's, uh, you know, without them, I guess we, we probably wouldn't have the audience we have right now, especially since, since we've been doing a lot of events for them lately. But they're a wonderful organization. They truly keep the dream of aviation alive, and they really inspire everybody of all ages to get involved in aviation. And that's what we try to do here at the Stuck Mike Avcast. Well, folks, uh, I know this went a little bit long, but I really appreciate your, your sticking with us. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. And uh, we hope to hear from you next episode. And, and keep listening to us. Uh, get on that Facebook page, the Twitter page from myself. I'm Carl Valeri, Eric Crump, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, and Rick Felty. We'll talk to you next episode. And safe flying. <laughs>
You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.